Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance axis deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. My name is Clay Newcomb, and this is a production of the Bear Grease podcast called the Bear Grease Render, where we render down, dive deeper, and look behind the scenes of the actual Bear Grease podcast. Presented by FHF Gear, American-made, purpose-built hunting and fishing gear that's designed to be as rugged as the places we explore. Um, hey, before we get started here, if y'all don't mind, I'm going to change my uh, boots real quick. Pants. What is in your jacket? Are you putting on some crocs? Take off your jacket. Oh, 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 Brent, why don't you describe what I'm putting on here? Well, Clay, I'm speechless. Clay has pulled out a pair of gray Crocs, official Crocs, because I can see the alligator on the side. And he has them in work mode. They are four wheel drive, four right wheel drive, yeah. and they match his puffy jacket. They do. Personally. They do match my gray puffy jacket. And they're I just thought I would. It's uh, quite the ensemble. Are we, now wait a minute. Are, are we? Do I need to hook mine in? Are we going to fight? I w- for this, I would hook them in four wheel drive. Here we go. You no, know, I just after last render when you know kind of dogged on the Crocs and my kids bought these for me for Christmas, so they are nice. they're highly convenient. The gift that keeps on giving. They are yes, waterproof jelly of the month club. Mm-hmm. You can they're, they're, don't they're, worry about them. Man, they are especially when you're duck hunting because I was this week. If you listen to the podcast, you heard me say that I have a goal to see how long I can be a waterfowler, which I'm a new waterfowler how long I can be a waterfowler and not actually own my own pair of waders. So I'm borrowing waders, but it's come back to bite me when Sean Weaver is the guy you're borrowing them from because he <laughs> duck hunts, you know, 100 days a year or whatever. And uh, the waders that he let me borrow Leaked. had a hole in them. 
I learned that you can take Crocs with you so you can stay in the waiters the least amount of time possible. I got you. Nice. Let's let's talk about another thing, and that is that you were complaining about how they made your figure look. You were like, oh, my gosh, I look huge in these. <laughs> it's a true story. He did. They were giant. Looked big on camera. Yeah, they're giant. Yeah. They were, Brent, I mean, they were like, 18 inches wide at the knees. Those are Jodfers. Well, I heard Sitka offers a slim fit waiter. <laughs> okay. It makes you look like 10 pounds trimmer. I'm really just looking forward to see if First Light offers like a modern cut. I tell you mm. I tell you what, Clay. I started off the season with six pairs of waiters. And we're wow. down. We're whittled down to two. Wow. It's pretty rough. <laughs> he's yeah. fly fishing waiters is what he's using. Yeah. yeah. yeah I feel yeah. sorry for him because I think those are leaking now. But well, you're, those big waiters you gave me, they leak pretty good. But <laughs> listen to this. Hot tip, Austin. I'm going to introduce everybody here in just a minute. Hot tip. These waiters were like soaked in the left foot, and we hunted the day before, and it was cold. And I mean, it took me four hours to get warm once I got home. It, it was, it was, I was chilled. It was cold. I had and to give so, Clay some coffee to warm him up while we were hunting. Yeah, it worked. The, mm-hmm. What I did the next day, because they didn't dry out, is I put a Ziploc bag over my foot. It worked great. Well, Have you done that before? I carry a roll of trash bags. Trash bags. Really? Mm. Yeah, trash bags. Right. leaky waders. Yeah, and the great thing about the trash bag is you can tie it off the ankle, shin, the knee. Crotch. And crotch. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I've gone that high with it. Have you okay. ever, like, what's that old thing you used to do with the pillowcases? Put them around your feet when you were a little kid and hop around? Like a potato. A potato yeah. sack race? Yeah, a potato, potato sack, sack race. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, have you ever done that with like two legs in the waiters? And- Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, waiters. Waiters is a whole other story. Hey, once again, we have to. We have like legitimate guests on the render <laughs> all over. Brent and I are the only ones that are the regulars here. The yeah. curmudgeons, yeah. yeah. So Brent, we're gonna have to really behave, be on our best game because we have. I'm gonna go left to right to our left. Max Barda of Meat Eater. Max is. Uh, probably should introduce Sean first because Max. <laughs> works with Sean Weaver, yeah. right hand man, meteor. right hand man. But you're left handed. Yeah, is that a slight to him? Mm. Keep moving. Ooh, um, Max is a photographer, producer, waterfowl hunter. Twenty five years old, fraternal twin. Um, and he I'm learning. Crock lover. He he eats a lot. He's trim man though. Eats a lot. Puts Max, cheese on everything. As Always I read jealous. on his Instagram profile handle, he can make. He can make friends with a two before, <laughs> and it's true. It's true. Max, it is good true. to have you, man. Thank you for having me. Welcome Ma- to the Bear Grease Render. Max Barta. I'm excited. Max Barta sounds like a future president. It's a good name. Really? It's, it's a strong a name. I haven't thought That's about, funny you I haven't bring that up. about that yet, but maybe. It's funny you bring that up because you, you every, time, more years. every time we roll into a new group of people, we're trying to do something, trying to get somewhere and get something accomplished, Max slows us down and i always say don't worry max is just running for president that's right so because i'm just talking to people getting to know them being nice trying to make them smile yep Yep. you should say for the for for the record here i'm max barta and i endorse this message (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah, okay i'll say my name is max barta and i endorse this message to your left sean weaver of meat eater sean you you're you're an old pro on burgers. You've yep. not been on the render though. Nope, not been yeah. on the render. Sean drove he drove to my house from Missouri. He was on his It's not that far. 100 day, well, no, no, no. It was far for him because he drove from Utah to Missouri and then down to my house late one night to record those that session that we did. So it's on It was uh, a late night, GTR. but it was worth it. 
it 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 ended up being worth it for i mean mm-hmm. it was you did really good and uh, so Sean works for Meat Eater. You you've worked for Meat Eater for less than a year. Less than a year, yeah. But yeah. we are currently actually this is our uh, last duck hunt of the season, putting the final touches on the new show Duck Lore. Yeah, which will be part of the Meat Eater Network. Can you can of, we tell people how many shows there are? Is that a secret? I don't uh, think that's a secret. The, the first season will be six episodes, and we're also filming the second season in the same year. Which yeah, will be six episodes. So there are twelve episodes. Twelve of episodes. Lord. Yeah. And we can we can say that that's what that's why we're here right now. That's why we're here. We will here. later disclose where we're at. Yeah. Not yet though. No. All 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 Austin all entertainment is is just drama drama and hooks. <laughs> okay. So you 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 have a little drama like this is a secret location and then you but you tell them you're going to tell it later. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. So we'll tell you where we're at later. <laughs> Later, meaning like 30, like, like 30 when we get to our next guest. Okay, where we're at. <laughs> no, it's great to have you, Sean. It's been awesome hunting with you. We're going to talk more about our, about our hunt. To your left, Anne Marie Doremus. Anne Marie, great to see you. Clay, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. So Anne Marie is a commissioner, and this is the reason we have to be on our best behavior. You too, as well. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Anne Marie is a and commissioner too. of a little organization they call the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission. <laughs> And so we've been here, Sean and I and Max have been here hunting with Anne-Marie for the last four days. Yes, sir. Five days. Mm-hmm. Four. And yeah. uh, she's been hosting our team here at kind of the family the family duck club, which right. has been super fun. Great to have you. Hey, glad to be here. We've had a great time the past few days. Uh, got our fair share of hunts in. Um, got you on your very first gadwall shoot, which, yes. bravo. We're yes. glad that you finally moved away from the Millard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although shooting, so, shooting Mallards is a lot of fun. I will say that. But yep. yeah, we did have a good shoot on the first day. Yep. Had a great hunt the second day. And uh, anyway, I think we're going to get out there in the morning too before yep. you guys head out. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk more about our, we'll talk more about our hunt. How long have you been a commissioner, Emery? This is my third year. So it's a seven-year term. It is, seven-year term. Three years into a seven-year term. That's right. And I serve with uh, six other commissioners from around the state. Yeah. And one uh, non-voting commissioner who is always the head of the biology and zoology department for the University of Arkansas, gotcha. Dr. Stephen Bupre. Got to yeah. give him a shout out. Snake man. That's right. He is a snake man. Yeah, snake man. Um, tell me, describe how the commission works. Like, do most states have a an appointed commission? Do we know <laughs> that? I'm, and your next, the next guest I'm going to introduce is Austin Booth, the director of the Game and Fish. But Do most states have an appointed commit, but that is a secret. I'm not going to tell you that until don't later. Tell them. <laughs> well, I couldn't tell you exactly the number, but I do know uh, there's many states where actually. So let me go back to what the commission does. Yeah. Essentially, we're a governing body who oversees the rules and regulation for all fish and wildlife in the state of Arkansas. So right. a lot of responsibility on our shoulders. Right. And in other states, I do know that uh, some are still uh, their rules and regulations are controlled by the legislature. Correct, Austin. But for the most part, each state has their fish and wildlife agencies who determine that. Yeah. And so tell me, tell me what, what would you say your main job is as a commissioner? Hearing, hearing from the public, listening to the public, balancing uh, science and public opinion in order to make the best decisions possible for our sportsmen and women throughout the state of Arkansas. But primarily making regulations. Yes. 
Right. Yeah. Well, and uh, more than that, approving uh, budget approvals. For instance, we yeah. just this last month approved for a boat ramp to be put in down in South Arkansas. So several other things uh, that we do in regards yeah. to, you know, not just fish and wildlife, but infrastructure yeah. throughout the state. Yeah. Awesome. Um, who are your uh, favorite uh I'm kidding. I can't ask. You that. Favorite? What? Oh, I was, was going to ask some awkward question. Were you going like to? Were you going to ask who would be like my ideal dinner party or something? Something like that. Yeah. But I, I was going to ask who that. your other favorite commissioners were, but it was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> all of them. Yeah. We have a really great group of commissioners. Uh, we are we're all friends. We all work great together, and I feel really really lucky to yeah. to serve on this panel with the group that we're that we have. Yeah. You know. It is interesting, and I'm I'm not an expert on on government nor an expert on the way other state agencies work. But there are there are government structures, state government structures, where the legislature votes for wildlife regulations and laws. Okay, and so that to me is a problem because then whether our deer season is this date to this date or our bear season is this to this all of a sudden becomes a literal political issue that you vote on to the general public. And so people start to run on campaigns about wildlife, just like the New Jersey governor did when he said in a, I mean, it was like a, this is part of my campaign platform. Is did that, he get rid of bear season? Yeah, he did. He yeah. said, we're yeah. going to shut down bear hunting in New Jersey. And he did it. And so, because every, and I said this in the podcast, any type of government, somebody's going to be have some reason why you know, they don't like it. Right. And I take it he had never been bear hunting. The, oh. Yeah. No. 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 He just no wanted way. to do it. Point being, having a commission, seven people or eight people that are making wildlife decisions, is usually really good. I mean, because these people are typically going to be people that are involved in wildlife management. And I would rather entrust that kind of stuff to seven people that have some founding in the state rather than the general public. So that's just my two bits on state government because my buddy's up in Michigan. So we work pretty closely in uh, with Bear Hunting Magazine with uh, the Wisconsin Bear Hunters Association and the Michigan Bear Hunters Association. Super strong state agencies that raise tons of money and basically they spend their life fighting anti-hunting legislation. And and that is, and it's because they have that type of government. that And so anyway, it's just a fight. So love it. And one of the many things that we have uh, going for us in Arkansas is uh, we have a great legislature. They strongly support the outdoors. Yeah. They understand the economic benefit to Arkansas that, you know, tourism brings, all the out-of-state hunters coming here, the out-of-state anglers. They know their communities just as well as we do, and they understand how in the natural state, outdoors is is just in our veins and having a commission that makes those decisions basically insulates us from the outside political influence outside the right. state coming into the state. And, yeah. and so it's not so much that we have a problem with the legislature here, but sure, sure. it, Understood. it kind of insulates us from out of state influence and, yeah. and yes. uh, right. uh, couldn't be Happier with the legislature that we have. I agree yeah. with that, Austin. Actually, there's several legislator, legislators who are hunters and anglers, too. So Absolutely. You bet. Something to be I, proud of. I was with them this afternoon. Good. Clay, did you introduce that fine man? Hey, you you 
Keep your chair, buddy. Stay in your lane <laughs> over there. Next Stay in your lane. <laughs> we, take, we take 20 minutes on introductions. Okay. I'm not like right. your I was, boss. I, I'm you're just, not president yet, Max. Okay. You. Okay. Friendly reminder. I Max, knew, Max not, would do that. You're such a nice produ- guy. You're afraid everybody's going to be left out. Wait till I get to this guy. To Anne Marie's left. Austin <laughs> Booth, the director of the Arkansas Game of Fish Division. You're like a regular on the Bear Grease now. If regular means two, then you're right. <laughs> <laughs> no, good to have you, man. Great to have you. Now, if I get Crocs, will I upgrade from regular to emeritus? There's no place to go but up. Yep. <laughs> I feel Probably. like I need to go change into Crocs. Well, I, I'm just, embarrassed. If my family was here, if my wife was here, I couldn't wear these. She don't like them? Well, I might have to defend her. <laughs> and I, you, you can't, you can't win a fight like wearing the vol- these. The volcano. No, she, she loves them. Right? Yeah, you just uh, look. I mean, if, if let's say something goes wrong between me and Austin, you know? It's cold. And, and, coming. and we go fist to cuff. Right. He's going to beat me to the ground because for a couple of reasons. Well, let me tell you. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to go ahead and say <laughs> that's not going to be the case. Is the other reason the knuckle dragging Marine? Because I've heard him say that before. Too. You know, yeah. I'm pretty wiry, but, uh, you know. Oh, Austin, you've been duck hunting a lot, though. I have. Yeah, you, you have uh, some good good duck hunts. I've been on some great hunts this year. Yeah, yep. We got a lot of ducks in the state right now. That's what yes. I hear. Yes, uh, we're loaded full with hunters, loaded full with ducks. Still down from the long term average, but uh, of duck hunters or ducks, ducks, ducks. Okay. Uh, compared to where we were last month, a uh, whole lot of ducks in the state right now. We just learned we were Sean and I were in a boat with Luke Naylor a couple of days ago, and he was describing to us the aerial counting. Yes. I just turned to Luke and I said, how many mallard ducks are in Arkansas right now? And he just spouted off. I think he said 530,000. 532,000 as well. 532,000. I can't count that. And man. then, and I said, okay, how do you know that? <laughs> and he described to us how they... How they bring a cauldron and an airplane and they sprinkle like a weird concoction of... Of like gar blood and and antifreeze <laughs> and just like oh wow and no I don't know I, I was like man this is, this is not what he said <laughs> no 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 they're they're can you describe how they count those do you know it was okay. a John tra- it was transects where they fly random lines across the delta and uh, they get a count on that line and then extrapolate out over those different transects over the square mileage of the delta how many ducks that would be. That's amazing. And I asked him, I said, how, how confident are you in that number? And he may have been joking, but he said plus or minus 150,000. But I, 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 don't, I don't think he was joking. Maybe he, he was. No. but He was not joking. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty amazing. Do other states do, do, other states do like, do, are we doing weekly counts during duck season? No, we do a handful throughout the season, but they're not weekly. Um, and I, Are they I, monthly? Uh, no, it's based on the splits, uh, but there are other states that do them, but obviously this is Arkansas. We, we, we do it best. We do it best for sure. There it's, uh, entirely based on places that are kind of epicenters, right? For example, how many states would you say do that? Well, the Illinois, the Illinois river Valley, I believe gets flown every week. Um, the Missouri River in South Dakota gets flown. And North Dakota weekly. North Dakota as well, weekly. Okay. Um, just kind of depends where you're at. But places that are, I guess, historic migration routes and also epicenters of waterfowlers okay. typically get flown. Yeah, that's, that's really neat. To Austin's left, Brent Reeves. Check. 
The one and the only. Good to, good to have you, Brent. So Brent drove down from where he lives. So we are, I haven't said where we're, well, I did say where we're at. We're in, we're in southeast Arkansas in the Delta. I said we were at Anne Marie's family duck camp, which is mm-hmm. true. But that is located in southeast Arkansas near Stuttgart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Stuttgart. Present duck capital of the world. Stuttgart. Yes. Stuttgart, close I, to where uh, actually Brent used to used to hunt quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Just just up the road. Yeah. Yeah. So you hunted ten fifteen miles from Stuttgart. Oh Red no, Redale from here is probably what is it eight miles? Yeah. Nine miles. Yeah. Yeah. Not far. Great. Hunting the same ducks. They look well, just like them. I have um, a question for Brent, just so I can have a baseline for your formal attire. Yes. You're wearing Crocs. This time, the last render, you had a zip tie on your overalls. Yeah. H- have you upgraded to a button? The button. This is the button. All right. I was wearing those yesterday, <laughs> and I thought, man, I'm glad these didn't come out in the rotation tomorrow. <laughs> they think you only had one pair. I've only got one pair. <laughs> so do you, do you have to cut off the zip tie every time? Oh, no. It's no. on the side. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So yeah, it no, it's there. zip tied. Right. We were talking the other day, a friend of mine, I don't know if I said this on the last render or not, but friend of mine uh, who I met during bear baiting season last year, Corey Eisenhower, brought me a mess of squirrels. And I was talking to him on the phone. I hung up the phone, and Alexis says, what, what were you saying? I said, well, my friend Corey's going to bring me some, some squirrels. She said, did you say he was going to bring you a mess of squirrels? My wife's from Texas. I said, yeah, my friend Corey's bringing me a, a mess of squirrels. She said, I swear, it's like I've been living on an 11-year episode of Hee Haw with no commercials. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes she wonders how she got to where she's at. I, every time I see her, I wonder how she got that because she's such a wonderful woman. <laughs> she is. and She, she uh, has a taste for roughness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sean, walk us through our our waterfowl hunts and let, let me say let me just tell people i have been immersed into the arkansas waterfowl world for the last month and a half mm-hmm. more than any time in my entire life okay i've quickly become very opinionated <laughs> very informed very knowledgeable <laughs> and like all my other waterfowl friends pretty much know what to do <laughs> Okay. I mean, you, you know it. how to blow a duck call oh, now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very good duck caller, of yeah. course. <laughs> Excellent duck caller, the best. No, no, I have. Um, it's kind of interesting how this all came about, but it, it, it was. It, it, I was bound to end up in Arkansas duck hunting just because it's. I mean, yeah, I've lived so close my whole life, and it just wasn't something that we did. Didn't have any connections here. And then to come here and to experience it, and more than just experience it, to see the culture of it. And then it's one thing to hear from somebody from Stuttgart or somebody from down here, like you three, how cool it is and the culture here. The real data point that I listened to that was like, hey, these folks ain't lying, was Sean Weaver, who has been like, Clay, this is the place for waterfowl culture. Even last summer. When we started planning doing a hunt together, I, it kind of blew my mind a little bit. I was like, you live in Arkansas. We got to get <laughs> you into the Delta and do some duck hunting. Yeah. We have yeah. to. And yeah, so this this week's hunts have been... Um, oh, before we before we go there, so we went into Stuttgart and we went to Max Prairie Wings, mm-hmm. which is an event all of its own. Austin's eyes are rolling in the back (laughs) Max okay Max tell us about going to Max Prairie so ever since I started waterfall hunting we didn't have any like great 
waterfall stores up in North Dakota. And me and my dad, I was shopped on Max Prayer Wings. And this was 10, Were 12. you named after the Max? <laughs> no, it just no. occurred to me. M-A-C-K-S and M-A-X. Oh, man. That would have been but, cool. But, yeah, anyway, so, like, growing up, me and my dad would always shop online at Max Prairie Wings. Okay. And I was so, such a big fan of it, because, like, every time a it's Max package showed up, I was like, I don't know what that's going to be. It's going to be decoys. So Excited when we pulled up in the parking lot, we're walking in, you were like, I've been waiting 15 years for this. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Oh, 12, he had his phone out. Years. He disappeared in the store. We didn't find him for like 45 minutes. I literally yeah. walked down every single aisle. <laughs> when we, when I, I was like, I think while. all you bought was chapstick though. <laughs> chapstick, <laughs> you know. That's it. Every duck hunter needs it. Well, yeah. when, when I said it's time to go, he goes, I have not walked down every aisle yet. I was yeah. like, okay. <laughs> it, it was fun. Max brought the energy that I needed when mm-hmm. I walked into Max Prairie Wings. But so we went there and, and you know, this is kind of a waterfowl epicenter. You walk in, everybody's, they're all waterfowlers. Every, yeah. You know, you just you just kind of realize you're in this like hub of seriousness for this thing. Well, then we drive down the street, just within sight, to go see Jimbo Ronquest down who, the street. You mean on the other side of the parking lot? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, we we actually had to get on the two lane road and back in, right. but yes, like right there. They told me we're gonna go by Jimbo's shop, and I had only met him just we in hunted a couple of days, but we were at a duck camp, and they said we're gonna go to a shop. I am envisioning a wood shop where yeah. people make duck calls, like a small metal building. Like elves. Maybe with a couple of, <laughs> yeah, maybe some elves. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some duck mounts maybe and a little bit of this and that. Man, it is a straight up like beautiful, it is beautiful. facility. Very, I mean, the architecture of it is super cool. And it's the R&T world headquarters. Yeah. And you go in there and there's a, there, I don't know if it's a restaurant, but there's a bar there. There were just guys hanging out. I mean, just crowded with people. Water I didn't fowlers. know anything like that existed. Like, I, what I wanted to have was like the Squirrel and Coon Club <laughs> up in Northwest Arkansas, where everybody <laughs> came and did idea. that. I don't. I just don't think we're as cool as the waterfowl guys. But uh, so I say all that to say there's so much built down here around this culture, which is so cool. But I, I what, would come to your Squirrel Club. You'd come up there. I would. I'm your. I'm a squirrel hunter now. You are. Yeah. And Marie's a so, squirrel hunter. Yeah. We went squirrel hunting the. The second day, yeah. What before? Before yeah. we get to the ducks, we got to talk about the, the squirrels. squirrels. Priority. I I think it. No, I think squ- it is squirrel time. Okay, oh, squirrel time. Squirrels. No, uh, we'll come back to the squirrels. <laughs> yeah, I'm we'll totally distracted to the squirrels. by squirrels. <laughs> tell us about our. Tell us about our hunts well, or about Stuttgart. I think it is worth mentioning with the the Max and R and T that it also demonstrated how small the waterfowl community can get, and how you can be just one person removed from pretty much everybody. Because we ran into several friends. Yeah. And, and like, you know, someone that Max has known since he was a little kid um, in the R&T shop. And I ran into a friend in Max. And it just, it gets small quick. Yeah. But, no, our our hunts, you know, we started off here on Anne-Marie's, which is was great. And kicked it off with a cypress hunt, which alone was, like, worth the price. In a the big, price a big reservoir, basically a, a man-made, like... Mm-hmm. That had big, big cypress trees scattered all throughout it. Yep, and it was a gadwall hole. Yes, it was. You know what? We gadwalled clay. Yes, that's what we did. He had to. We had to diversify his uh his duck harvest. He yeah. Only so, killed so mallards. the joke was Brent that I had only killed mallards, which is a true story. <laughs> 
I had only killed mallards my whole waterfowl career. <laughs> that's and, how uh, long. That's yeah. how long now. Yeah, Three well, days. You know. <laughs> and, you and know, at so Clay's they, Duck Club at West Fork, Arkansas. Yeah. That's all they yeah. kill. Yeah. yeah. And so we killed, uh, we killed several gadwalls, which broke my streak of mallards. Right. And so, you know, the joke became that they gadwalled me. Mm-hmm. Because we know the mallard is the king. That's been established. But uh, mm-hmm. it was a great. It was it was super fun. It actually was one of my. I mean, well, I learned to say it's wet. better than the rice hunt, but it was fun. I'd like to go back there. It was fun. What yeah. I liked about that hunt, it was basically Clay and I in one cluster of trees. The other, Amory and Sean, and the other camera guy in another cluster of trees, and it was kind of like Clay and I versus them. Oh yeah, <laughs> and we would shoot the ducks on the left side. They would shoot the ducks on the right side. But it was just so much fun, just to gab back and forth, and yeah, just overall great time. We did pretty good. What was Clay his, learned uh, a few things. Max, mm-hmm. give me give me a quick estimate on his shell to duck ratio. Mm-hmm. Uh, ooh, Eight. better than my uh, my shell to squirrel oh, ratio. Okay. <laughs> so I will say. Clay likes to shoot. <laughs> it doesn't matter if they're at 15 yards or 50 yards. I have to he defend to Clay's honor for a minute here, though. Because Are you wearing gloves? Yeah, oh, you got a double. That was awesome. Yeah, I was getting to that point. <laughs> Clay had a nice eye, Clay. pair come in on the left side and dumped them both. Put on a clinic, dead. Brent. Yeah. Wait, run, run it to the plug. Clinic. That's what we said. Sean, Clay, yeah. Clay turned over and he's like, did you guys shoot? Like, no. I was and like, goes, why did those ducks fall so quick? <laughs> Sean, uh, are you calling a double two ducks with two shots or two, two ducks with two, one yeah. shot? Two ducks with two shots. Mm, two mm. shots, yeah. It's two shots. Two for two. Well, yeah, it, it does take a little bit of time to understand when you're sky busting and when you're not. And I, that is still a little unclear to me. <laughs> Out of state. I think it was, it was like, yeah. the very first shot of the day, I think, was Clay trying to sky bust a, a duck. Is that right? I'm trying to. I'm trying I, to think I, will, I will say, yeah, that is correct. Yeah. I, <laughs> I will say, I appreciate that when Clay doesn't hit a duck, he turns to me and says, now was that sky busting? <laughs> <laughs> or was that too far? Was that too far? Should I not have done that? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I respect that because yeah, he's, trying, he's to trying to learn. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Well, yeah. It's not like he's just willy nilly burning boxes of shells. I just don't like to let opportunities slip through your fingers, <laughs> mm-hmm. man. We, I hear that. We really, really threw Clay off though, Sean, when we started uh, our Gadwall duck calls. He was yeah. like, "Why are you guys just going meep meep meep?" meep. Oh, yeah. he, he got on me. He goes, that's not how my boys call ducks. <laughs> I said, that's not how me and Jim call ducks. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not a fan of the Gadwall. They just got no heart in their call. You know, the mallard's like, yeah. it's like they're stuck in traffic. In the, in the, in the, in the Gadwall's like, stuck in traffic. Yeah. That's about what they sound like. Beep, 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 beep. Meh, 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 meh. Yeah, I was like, I was like, Sean, you're never gonna call it gadwalling with that. Trust me. I mean, you've um, never done it. Okay, so we had the gadwall shoot. Maybe I'll let Amory tell about the mm-hmm. the next the next hunt at what y'all call the the mayor's field. Yeah, the mayor's field. Yeah, because it is a it's a field located across the street from the self proclaimed mayor of this area's uh, house. So nice. Yeah, pretty, yeah, you pretty see straightforward. You can see his on house our, from where we're hunting. Yeah, yeah, we could. So pretty, long ways away. Pretty pretty straightforward on our. Uh, on our naming of our duck holes, but uh, yeah, we hunted hunted in a rice field. Very very windy day. We had a north wind that was what like twenty miles per hour at least. Like, I mean, yeah, 
it was super duper windy and we have a blind there on the corner but I don't always like to hunt out of a blind I feel like sometimes they can flare off of it so actually we went about 150 yards west of where that blind is and set up all behind the trees uh, we we're sitting on the ground um, and and we knew the, we knew there were a bunch of ducks in there. We did. The, we scouted the day, day before, before. We had yeah. seen just just mallards just piling in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they so, wanted in there bad. We got so. a beautiful watch the mm-hmm. night before. Scout. Yeah. It was a good scout. Yeah. So go in, uh, have our shoot, and we're done by nine o'clock. Had a even a few teal light in the hole, so that was mm-hmm. that was a really cool. Hunt. I think a a cool thing to mention there is that we were hunting them like turkeys. Sitting under the yeah. base of a tree, sitting on yeah, your just, butt. Yeah, sitting, sitting on a little pad. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was fun. Um, we're like calling in like that. We're calling in a lot of pairs. It wasn't like big groups of mallards. No. Well, it's but, so late in the season that they are, you know, paired up right now. So that's typically how you're going to see them. Yeah. So I don't think I sky busted any on that hunt. No, they came right in. They floated in. Did you shoot? Yeah, I shot. Yeah, I shot. And and the and the teal. Mm-hmm. I killed my limit of mallards and teal, didn't yep, I? Yep, you did. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yeah. And the Got teal oh, the teal shot was not something just to skip over, but no way. And so the third day we went to Baumita. Yep. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that, Sean. What is Biomita? I don't know. Biomita. <laughs> well, I think it's a, I think it's been in Sean's dreams since he was mm-hmm. a little boy because he was all googly eyed from the moment that we stepped foot into the parking lot. Oh yeah, he was like Max at at Prairie Wings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Look at this. Sean about Max at his own store. Yeah, yeah. Max at Max. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you when you think of Arkansas duck hunting, obviously you think about flooded green timber, and when you think about places to hunt in Arkansas, you think about Mita. Mm-hmm. You do. I mean, ultimately, the reason a place like Stuttgart has its reputation is places like Biomita. And uh, yeah, I've wanted to hunt there a long, long time. I was really, really excited to make it happen. Was excited to just get to be out there. But ultimately, the third day was pretty rough as far as hunting. Tell goes. us, t- just give us a little rundown of the first day with your the boat and stuff. Mm-hmm. A little drama. Okay. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, anyone that, if you follow my Instagram and ultimately once you see duck lore come out, you'll find that I've had boat problems beyond all possibility this year. I mean, it's been unbelievable. November boat motor took a pretty much catastrophic failure. It took well over a month to get fixed and then thought it was fixed, had it run good for about a week, maybe max. If that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, really, it would seem as though in, in by me to this week, we had another catastrophic failure. Uh, went to go turn out of the we're channel. We're in flooded timber. Yep, we're in flooded like right timber. right in the heat of the moment of trying to get back to where mm-hmm. we're going. And trying to beat people to spots. Yeah. Yeah. Running, running up a cut. We're, we'd been bumping people out. The holes. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. I was wearing actual boots, so I was able to <laughs> bully a few people. No, That's not true. That didn't happen. You were wearing Crocs. <laughs> but So, yeah, we're running up a channel, and uh, we're going to cut out of it, and shuts off. Go to turn the key and uh, nothing, like literally no power. Switch batteries, do a computer reset. It's an EFI motor, and uh, she's toast. She's toast. So luckily we had 
Amory's boat out there, the Sea Witch. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> the Flying Squirrel. It, we, yeah, we named we've been it trying many to name that it. Day. The Flying Squirrel, the Sea Witch, uh, trying to think. Sean Salvation would yeah, be a good Sean boat. Yeah, I, I advised <laughs> and I gave Amory some advice on naming stuff. Oh. You, you never want to name anything with more than two syllables. Which made it complicated, actually. Yeah, and a one syllable is better, but for a boat, you can go two. Yeah. But anyway, because there was a couple that were thrown in, and I was doing my syllable test, and I was like, nah, that's not going to stick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can name it that. It's not going to stick. Got to be two syllables, one or two right, syllables. That's sick. Clay, so, do you know what boat stands for? Boat stands for? Yeah. Nope. Bust out another thousand. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, that's- I believe it. That's not the no only boat trouble Sean. that we yeah, have. Yeah, at this point, I've got like four boats then. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, the short version of this story is we we went ahead and just parked the boats, and we were close enough to our hole that we walked into where we were going to hunt, mm-hmm. and uh, and we didn't kill a duck that morning. So we hunted by Amita and did not kill a duck, saw a lot of ducks, had, had two ducks fly into the hole early that i could have taken shots on but i felt like they're irresponsible even though they're well within shooting range yeah it was just kind of low light i had just loaded my gun i guess i should have been more ready but it 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 felt like i just didn't i felt like i was shooting into the abyss because down there in that green timber it's dark in there yeah and when they hit the water they just disappeared yeah they're all of a sudden just not there they're just part of the black even but though it was after you know, legal even though it's legal shooting shot. light, and yeah. Uh, yeah. and then when that happens right at legal shooting light, you think this is going to happen a lot more. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, so you don't really take yeah. a chance. Yeah. And then the only and other then, then chance that. we had the whole day, <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you guys something about waterfowlers that you may not even know about yourself. Here we go. Okay, oh, okay. because this bird comes in, and uh, I mean he just flies right over the top of me, but above the canopy. I shoot at the bird twice. Boom, boom. Used two of my 15 shells that I could have about me. So I had 13 left. I'm glad yeah. to hear that. And, mm-hmm. and, and I missed the bird. And then I go, did I sky bust that bird, John? <laughs> and he was like, absolutely. And he was like, Clay, that was a working bird. Okay. So I, it was a total misjudgment. I mean, I just thought this is my chance. Mm-hmm. You're just take too my excited. Chance. Just too excited. I shot at this bird above the canopy, missed it. Austin, this is what all waterfowlers do. You've done it. I mean, I just, I guarantee you, all of you have done it. Brent's done it. Amory's done it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know what he's talking the about. One, the one bird that you sky bust is the one that you were going to kill. <laughs> 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 Even though 150 other birds had done the exact same thing and didn't land in the decoys. Because Sean's like, that bird was working. <laughs> that, bird, that bird was working. you blew it. Here's, here's yeah. what's bad is when that happens. is when you got somebody in party that does that, then there's actually, or, or one duck comes in by itself and right. somebody throws up and shoots, and there's right nine, behind it. 90 behind it. it right go, behind yeah. it. Straight yeah. up. That's, yeah. That is hard to understand when you're supposed to shoot. And not. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. It's very nuanced, and yeah. it's all about it how is. you feel and what you are used to watching those birds do. Yeah. And it changes day to day because some days – you get that one or two here or there that do pop in and finish, and it's like, that's all we're going to get. The big flocks aren't going to do it mm-hmm. on certain days. And so you got to take those singles and pairs. And then there's other days where, like, your best strategy, if the birds are really working, really doing it, letting those singles or pairs peel out, keep moving, land, whatever, and let the back end keep finishing. But it all just changes on a day-to-day Man, basis. if you got a new guy with you, you better you – better- 
Put him on a short rope. I mean, yeah, yeah. I need a short rope with stuff like that. Well, like last weekend we were hunting the White River. Had him working in the timber for a little bit, but then eight o'clock rolls around and we're shooting him on the dip. Mm -hmm. So not going full clay nuke him and shooting him above the trees. What does that mean on the dip? Like Uh, they start to duck in, but don't fully commit? Right. And had kind of a slow morning, but killed six mallards. Uh, me and the group, and and then went to a moist soil unit that afternoon, and uh, shooting shoot him in the decoy. So mm-hmm. only just a couple of miles from each other, but different time of day, you know, calendar year, it changes. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? Give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. She'll love looking back on these memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating mom's frame with new photos, so it's the gift that keeps on giving. And this is not a joke. Juju Nukem has an Aura frame, and we share photos, and they're incredible. Also, my mother-in-law has one. We have them. They truly are really good, really high quality. The Aura frame is easy to set up. It takes just two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. It also adjusts the display depending on light levels in the room to maintain the true color of your photos. For real, the digital screen is amazing. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame when you use code BEAR, B-E-A-R, BEAR. That's AuraFrames.com. Use code BEAR at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Whitetail Institute launched the Food Plot Revolution in 1988 with a concentration on research and real-world testing of forage products specifically for whitetail deer. Whitetail Institute's research and development team of agronomy experts provide effective, personalized service. I've been using Imperial Whitetail Clover for a long time in a food plot back behind my house. In 2007, I killed the biggest buck of my life over an Imperial Whitetail Clover small quarter acre food plot. Imperial Whitetail Clover is the only clover scientifically developed through years of selective breeding. Clover Extreme Genetic Stability provides extreme cold tolerance, disease, and drought tolerance. It really does. Clover is coated with Whitetail Institute's Rain Bond, a polymer coating added for enhanced seedling survivability. They have an exclusive offer for Bear Grease listeners, 15% off Imperial Clover when you use the code BEAR at whitetailinstitute.com. That's whitetailinstitute.com and use code BEAR for 15% off. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who's used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. 
Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. So the second day, and we can we can tell this story pretty quick. The second day we, we went back to Biomeda. I had to this I had to get a mallard in Biomeda. Yeah. I had to. So we, we walk in, it took us a while to we went to walking area, walked in, tried to find water, made a couple made a big loop because we didn't find water as quick as we thought we would. My legs are sore right now. Yeah, yeah. we were pulling we walked. I was trying to convince him to bring less stuff. He wouldn't <laughs> listen. And then but we finally find water and we get back in there. We found a nice hole where, and a hole means usually where timber is falling over. I I wouldn't have known that. Like, why is there holes in timber? What's that mean? Usually, it's where a tree is falling over, and there's an opening in the canopy where the ducks can get down. They're wanting to get in these, these, these in this deadfall timber. Deadfalls, yeah. Wind thrown, wind thrown, yeah. And basically, we you know called a few birds. Nothing serious at all. And then we're done. Like we're le- we decide we're leaving, and that's where you can tell me what happened. Well, I will say that, that we walked around in that area till we found where we kind of jumped some birds and saw some birds working yeah, that's right. too. So there was birds kind of in that area, and we were seeing some close-ish, but nothing really like wanting to come decoy and, and check out what was going on. Dead calm and cloudy, which is like worst-case scenario for duck hunting, especially in the timber. Especially in the timber. And... uh Morale was low. Yeah, I, I was. I, I was. At, was low. I was kind of at that point where, like, I was kind of at that point where it was like, you know what? It just isn't in the cards. Let's let's go home. I'll have to come back and get that mallard. And it must have been our splashing as we turned to walk mm-hmm. out and feet kicking, and all of a yeah. sudden we're just talking. I mean, we're talking we're, like normal voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just BSing. No one behind a tree or anything. We didn't even have our pulling, guns out. Pulling a jet sled, guns on the shoulder. And Drake Mallard got too close. He, so he, what happened, Austin, is that we just kind of see some birds out of the corner of the eye, and they're kind of cupping up a little bit, but they're, Sean says they were in the canopy. They weren't. They, they, were, they were They were. I, he was if even. If I had shot and missed, it would have been sky busting. Hold on a second. <laughs> I'm going to defend myself they, here. They came. Okay, they were, let's say they were in the top of the canopy. I, I learned my lesson though. I did. I let you shoot first because mm-hmm. I just was like, "Are we shooting at these ducks or not?" Because I'm mm-hmm. not going to be the one that's going to sky bust them. Mm-hmm. So I had the gun up, and when I heard you shot, I just unloaded. <laughs> boom, boom, boom! <laughs> shot three times, yep. and you you clipped one. Yeah, I clipped him. Broke it, his broke his wing. Fell forty yards away. And yeah. It was off to the races. Yeah, yeah. When I saw it, it hit the water and just started swimming. And man, I I was gonna tackle it if it took it. I took <laughs> off running as fast as I could after that duck. It and was it was anything but what like I guess I would consider uh, you know success on a normal hunt, right? Like I I I go just like any duck hunter does, but I want them fluttering, hanging over decoys. Sure, sure. But ultimately, I got that that one mount. Now it now it's kind of like a. It's going to have to be a little bit of a personal vendetta deal to come back and actually we'll come back. learn some stuff about this place yeah. because back. it's unbelievable. The, the, the scale of it is hard to comprehend. Hmm. When you look at it on a map, you can go, oh, you know, that's 10 miles there or whatever the heck it is, you know. But when you get out in that timber and realize like how far 200 yards or 300 yards is in that kind of environment, Whereas 200, 300 yards in, in South Dakota mm-hmm. on, a, on 
a lake or, you know, even a mile on a lake in South Dakota, like ducks flare from a mile, like from gunshots and whatever else. Out here, you can have so many groups of hunters stuffed in a mile and like you have no clue what's going on a mile away. Not a darn clue. Yeah. And I can see how guys spend their whole lives learning that timber. I mean, really, like, picking it apart. 17,000 acres of flutter timber. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as a camera guy on that hunt, I see everything in a whole different perspective. You guys were seeing it as duck hunting, and I was sitting back here like, this feels like a big game hunt. Like, everyone was talking quiet, moving slow, and it was picking like, our a, way yeah, pretty trees. much a spot and stock. And like we said, like, we just need to get that one mallard. And after the previous or the day before all the troubles and getting skunked, it was like, we all want that mallard. We all have one goal and it's that mallard. Yeah. yeah that, that was the thing is we could have gone, mm-hmm. we could have stayed here and probably killed a lot of ducks. Mm-hmm. But we went back. I wanted to stay here. <laughs> <laughs> just for the record. No, Hey, that's a good place to start talking about this last podcast we talked about these green tree reservoirs really dug in deep. Austin, did we cover it? If somebody listened to that podcast, would they come away with the info that you feel like they would need to understand the problem, understand what's going to be done, understand the challenges? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot to it. it it's uh or, or what would you like to even add to it or expound on? Like, as you were listening, you're like, man, I'd like to talk more about that. Well, this render is appropriate for it because I mean, obviously these guys heard the first, heard the first bear grease, then heard the second render. But now here seeing Biomeda, smelling Biomeda, watching the sunlight, the sunrise come through the trees, having the boat ride in, y'all understand it. And it's almost a Arkansas spiritual connection to those red oaks with water on them and green heads coming through them. Having you guys here to talk about it first and then to see it, I think it's the most powerful connection because it's not just a resource that we're conserving. It's something that's really important to the character of our state. If the second Bear Grease was incomplete in any way, it's hearing these guys talk about what they've seen that's kind of made it complete. It was interesting being out there to see a lot of dead timber. And, you know, I have no frame of reference. So mm-hmm. I had, I, I might've just gone out there and just been like, well, this is just what it looks like. One day we were there with somebody who had been there a lot. And he was like, man, he said, look at all these leaning trees. And I just thought leaning trees were normal, but he was like, those leaning trees are an indication of a root system that is compromised. And those trees aren't supposed to be leaning like that. And you just look through this forest and there was a lot of leaning trees, a lot of dead trees. And, um, so, I mean, you know, the thing is real, you know. Yeah. Well, and we use the analogy wet feet a lot. Talking about the tree's roots. Now, that has limited persuasion with two men wearing Crocs right now. It's <laughs> 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 all perspective. <laughs> wet feet. Not men in Crocs. But anyways, um, no, it, um, you know, y'all saw all the boating, all the boating canals, all the ditches we have in there. Well, Due to increased rainfall, this uh, October, November was the first time in three years that it's been dry enough for for us to get in there just to clean out those ditches, clean out the canals. Three years. 
Um, so we've got some challenges on our hands and it's an important part of the state that's at risk. Uh, but we're going to do what we can when we can. Yeah. Amory, hey, what'd you think? Any, anything, it, what, what stood out to you and what we discussed or, or, or anything you'd like to add to it? I mean, I think that, uh, our director, Austin Booth put it, put it all very well that, um, it's an important part of our character here in Arkansas having these green tree reservoirs. I mean, you don't get anything like it. it it's funny because Sean and I were talking earlier. It's crazy that eight hours north of here, mm. ducks land in dry fields. Right. And then you get down here and they're landing in water. And to it's top the same it off. ducks too. Yeah. And they're flying through, they're flying through trees and landing in water. Yeah. It, it's just unbelievable. So it's a big part of, yes, our, our state, our heritage, um, the whole flyway in general, mm. something that we can't stand to lose and we have to do whatever we, whatever it takes and whatever is within our control to help I, save these I thought trees. that was a good point that Austin made on the, on the, on the podcast was that there's lots of reasons why, I mean, a, a system this complex, it's not just one, it's usually not just one issue. It's usually multiple things. That's right. And there's only so many things that you can cleanly touch and manipulate. There's some things that are just there. There's, you know, there's issues with um, just other stuff that's hard to manage. So that's the point a, being, this is what we can do. This is what we're going to do. There's other more longer term mm-hmm. issues mm-hmm. that we're going to deal with. You know, you know what Luke Naylor said in that in your last podcast, he said, wildlife management is a mixture of science and art. Yep. All goes hand in hand. And if I if I could just add one thing to what I thought was um I don't know, poignant about the last podcast was that you have you have Bobby, our chairman, who's talking about a generation prior to him, right? Uh, the Rex Hancock era. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about the generation before him. And Marie and I, you know, we're looking to Bobby, who's a generation before us, and we're making decisions about the generation after us right now. Yeah, uh, and probably and the, the generation after that yeah, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's just uh, one snapshot of what you know duck hunting in Arkansas is. It, it spans four generations, just in the context of one decision, and that's what it means to the state, and that's why it's uh, a good story to tell, but also one to be committed to for the long term because that's what it takes. Bobby talked about uh, Rex Hancock and uh, what he did up at the Cache River. And, you know, I obviously heard the name Rex Hancock before, but I didn't know the whole story. And so that mm-hmm. was really educational for me to hear and honestly uh, really rings a bell with what we're going through right now and the decisions that we're having to make. You know, Luke brought up that uh, he introduced a phrase to me that I didn't, wouldn't have known, humans dimension research, sure. which I had to look that up. He said it in the podcast yeah. and i just shook my head like i knew what he's talking about yeah. i went back home and looked up what that meant and humans dimension research is where is is a field of study academic study where we people try to understand how humans value natural resources mm-hmm. and so like talking about rex hancock and the multiple interests that went into the cash river i mean there was that was a big that was a big amount of energy being put into channelizing the cash. Yeah. I mean, that was the economy of Arkansas would have yes. been at stake. So there would have been farmers that would have been like, hey, we want barges running up and down the cash to take our crops to to market. There, there would have been all this stuff. But 
somebody had to stand up for for wildlife, for wild places, for a way of life, and had to really like put some teeth into it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was interesting that humans dimension research just that everybody values the land differently. When we toured a farm this week where the sky had basically just it it was like I I described it it was like Jurassic Park but for ducks just in terms of like all the things that they were doing and we were driving through seeing ducks and there was it was just a incredible place right and I had the thought while we were there like he's trying to turn this place back into a wetland essentially for ducks most most of the world is going the other direction like uh-huh. a wetland is not valuable to you unless you value waterfowl. So just this whole idea of that, when people look at a piece of land, nobody's thinking the same thing right. of why that land has value and how it should be used. And that's why we have to have these strong, strong opinions, strong science, strong conviction, perseverance, dedication. It, there's just a lot that goes into saving wildlife in 2022. Amen to that. I mean, it's true. Yeah, it is. You know, on that note, talking about Rex Hancock specifically, it was an interesting bit for me in the podcast where it's mentioned how he's like this ordinary guy that, you know, fights for this like fundamental ecological component of the area. When you look at when you look at waterfowl over the last hundred years, you see this a lot where relatively speaking, nobodies, so to speak, just average guys come along and impact great, great things to the resource. You know, Ding Darling wasn't a nobody, but now he's like considered the, you know, father of the uh, National Wildlife Refuge System. And ultimately he was a cartoonist that was like making fun of politics and ends (laughs) ends up creating, you know, okay, huge portion of the cash. It's National Wildlife Refuge. You know, Ding Darling's father of the National Wildlife Refuge System. And you have these guys that just come along, like see this kind of like, this is the hill I'll die on moment of mm. their life of like, they know it takes only one man, but it's, it's one person sees there's fundamentally something wrong and they have to stand, you know, yeah. for what they believe. It's happened a lot of times, hasn't it? And, it, and we owe those, those singular people, we owe them a lot over yeah, the years. Mr. Bobby said he couldn't imagine this part of Arkansas, if the whole Cash River had been channelized, like no. how, how much it would have changed the flyway, how much it would have changed oh. the the system, and just so yeah, those things are so. I've, I've personally seen part of the stretch that was before it kind of got stopped. There's you know small stretch of the Cash that was channelized, Four miles. and it's uh it like instantly makes you disheartened when you look at it. You're like, oh, this is what it would all been. It's a it's a line, you wow. know. You know, so much of the last 150 years in this country, we were trying to def- we were trying to get out of this place being a wilderness, you know, a, a place that was uninhabitable. Mm-hmm. I mean, like we talked about in the first one about how much of Arkansas literally would have been uninhabitable. I mean, because of flooding, and then you know, so man has always been in this in this you know struggle to make nature more consistent and more manageable and uh but some of this waterfowl stuff we're going we we need to go back the other direction so anytime you're going against the current of kind of the modern trends you know it's it can be an uphill battle john what stood out anything stand out to you in the podcast 
There's so many things. Um, all the waterfowlers have been like, Clay, this is the best Bear Grease podcast you've ever done. And I'm like, uh, of course you it was, because of you love waterfowl. <laughs> hey, it was a great podcast. Very informational, entertaining, educational, the whole the whole bit. You may be a little bit biased. I may be a little podcast. bit biased. Yeah, I know yeah. a few people on there. Just a minute ago, Anne-Marie had mentioned the eight hours north of here, ducks feeding in dry fields, then here they're being in the timber. It really shows how... Well, one, how these birds adapt as they travel down the flyway and back up the flyway. But two, also like how important it is to understand the whole system from start mm-hmm. to finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, as I was producing this podcast the and just gathering information, the, the evidence is so clear of what needs to be done. It was almost like, well, this is a no-brainer. There's no story here because this is what needs to be done what is what's the challenge austin like why why yeah what could what could make it fail well i'm very sympathetic to that position because everybody in arkansas in this part of the state anyways they live 305 days a year waiting for the other 60 that's not just duck hunters that's that's gas stations Mm. that's grocery stores that's beds and breakfasts that's restaurants and so to look at a resource and think it's it's dying. There's a whole lot of reasons that you that you don't want to believe that. We're also not looking at kind of like what we talked about earlier. We don't we don't have the luxury of like single cause problems. It's really easy to sit here in 2022 and be like, yeah, this is a no brainer. But you go back five years ago, you go back ten years ago, fifteen, twenty. 20 years ago, we learned a great deal about red oak dormancy, learned a great deal about what standing water versus sheet flow does to trees. We've had a immense increase in the rainfall that we get. So we're at a luxury right here and right now of information that I'm, that I'm not willing to look back on years prior and fault guys for for not having and for fault them for not I believing see. like, oh, this is going to get better. This is going to get better. You know, the drainage will be better. Uh, we won't get as much rain next year. But looking forward to what could make this all not work out, it's going to come down to whether it's dry enough when we need it to be dry to, to put the work in and whether we have public support for the forest management and for the infrastructure that we need to put in. So how would public support, like how would that, like what would some, what would a group of people do that would cause that not to work? I just trying to understand that. Well, yeah, the, that's a great just question. Raise, just raise cane so raise, much that it just causes problems for that's you guys right. to do it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, yeah. for so many years, people were used to okay, uh, Balmeda or Hurricane. You know, opening weekend of duck season, there's going to be water in there. Sticking with tradition, and now we can't guarantee that because we never know what the weather's gonna gonna hold for us. Yeah, and yep. that's something that's really difficult to grasp. That's the last thing I know it was said last time that none of us, you know, want that to happen. This is, you know, we wish that we were not in this situation, but we are. And we have to adapt and change and do do what is necessary to save the resource. I think that Mother Nature's answer in systems is an answer to variability. And that really the only constant in life is change, that things mm-hmm. change. And you just can't deny that this has changed. You can't deny that the prairie pothole region has changed. You can't 
deny that there's all these man-made factors, whether it's power plants or the spread of corn farther west and farther north and changes of water quality and, and go down the line of all the things that affect a duck. And all those things are happening in synchronization while also then like you throw the cherry on top that you have a dying force. Like to be frank, like there's a lot already going against Arkansas with those other things I mentioned when when you start looking at Lake Sakakawea in North Dakota last year on the Missouri River, a hundred some mile long reservoir didn't freeze till almost February. So it held a lot of ducks longer. <laughs> yeah. So it's but, a complex it's but a complex it, issue. It's a very complex issue. But to come back to your point, like there's things you can alter and you can change. Can I say something? Sure. I haven't no. said something in a long time. So raise your hand proper. I'll call it okay, Max. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm Max and I endorse this message. <laughs> Before I listened to this podcast, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know there's a problem down here. And maybe that's me being out of state and not knowing about other state issues. Maybe that's just me having a closed mind and just worrying about my own state or just simply not listening to what people had to say, but I listened to the podcast and I was like, there's no way that's happening. No way. Because like I always that clay nuke is full of drama. <laughs> I, I, I just always thought this great, awesome area was always gonna stay great. And spending two days in the area, it was just like, Yeah, I can definitely see the problem. I can definitely see the issues. And I think people need to open their ears and just work like Sean said, worry about the whole dang flyway from the breeding grounds all the way to the winter wintering grounds mm -hmm. so i'd add two things to that max yeah y'all went to biomeda and from a forest management perspective and a public opportunity perspective the goal with biomeda is to keep it from becoming like other wildlife management areas that we have yeah so if y'all were in the woods and y'all had somebody pointing out you know dead or irreversibly dying red oaks with extreme basal swelling at Biomeda, we can take you to some other places that'll make oh, you sick, sure. sick, yeah. just sick to your stomach. Yeah, I'm sure. Angry gray hurricanes were dying it. from the inside out. Yeah. So it's crazy. It's, um, it's unbelievable. But if like that's the rain cloud, the silver lining is like you know we announced some of our water level management changes on September 3rd of of 21. Feedback's been fantastic. I I I never ever would have thought that we have the support that that we've gotten since then. Because people are invested in the resource. We have a very unified commission. The hunters are starting to see the change in the resource. You know, we had lots of public meetings this summer trying to get people out in the woods when there's leaves on the trees to see what the trees look like in the summer when they're dead uh, or irreversibly dying. We're in a really good place right now as a state to recognize the problem that we've been talking about for a long time, but now one that we're ready to move out on. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. outstanding. You know, I think I think this whole issue is just making basically making hard decisions for conservation and wildlife and habitat is something that is going to happen in more places than just waterfowl. Mm -hmm. I mean, oh, yeah. it, it's oh, absolutely. just, it's just undeniable that something is happening with historic patterns of climate, like weather has been wild, waterfall has been wild. Every like this place is changing. And and you know whether it's just a little blip, I don't know. Uh, but in our in my lifetime, 
this place is changing. And I'm not saying this place as in, I'm talking about planet Earth. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's changing. So I think what you guys are facing, what the state of Arkansas is facing about making significant changes in the way we manage habitat that's going to affect people is something that's going to have to happen in the future. So I, I like to think that these decisions will be made maybe easier over time as precedence is set for, hey, we just got to suck it up. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we, we have lived in the glory days of some species of wildlife in North America, and, and we're in the glory days of some of them right now, but there's going to become, there's, you just can't get too used to something. Yeah. Well, no, the earth, it, everything goes in cycles. Yeah. It is. And yeah. Yeah. I think some of the few that would be detractors, like talked about in the podcast. That's are why peop- I wear my cowboy boots at Biomeda. <laughs> <laughs> are, are people that, that saw the real true bonafide glory days of Arkansas. You know, Arkansas's highest record duck harvest was 2001 or two, where it was like, it was 1 million mallards, right? Now 1 million ducks harvested, 1 million mallards plus, you know, another million ducks on top of that. That's incredible. There's no state that ever, ever has and ever, you know, for a long time, probably ever come anywhere near that. Again, things are just changing, and that's that's everywhere, right? Like we've got this hunter problem overall, like less waterfowl hunters as well, mm-hmm. less people contributing to the resource, and 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 I think we just need that. I guess that moment of uh, it's there. Yeah, it is there. It's there. We, we, Tell me what you mean by that, Austin. Well, you know, Anne Marie will know what I mean, and so will Brent. But you know, I'm 35. I'm not going to say how old. Hey, Marie is, but she's younger 30. than me. All right. All right. There we go. Uh, and we're like at this like generational point in waterfowling where as Arkansans, we're like still young in the population group, but we're old enough to remember duck hunting, what it was like even in the nineties, but we're young enough to like really see what it is, is now. And then behind us is this group of public land waterfowlers and they think that they're going out and having a great hunt because they're killing a wood duck limit and there's nothing wrong with killing a wood duck limit but if if we're like trying to benchmark the long-term hunting quality of what an arkansas gtr is i'm glad you killed a limit of wood ducks but that ain't it buddy and there's there's a whole lot more there's gadwalls that's right right. bluebills and virginia and and like as that generation of arkansas waterfowlers grows they're like starting to see like hey what i've heard about about by me to hurricane black river you know black swamp uh you know, all of these like iconic duck hunting places, like there's something that's not here and I want to fix it because I don't have it now, but I understand that I'm young enough where if we make a commitment now as Arkansans that maybe I'll be able to enjoy it when I'm 50 or 60. And young and people really impact cool change, yeah. right? Like young right. people drive change. and Because they got that, that Instagram and that Snapchat. <laughs> oh, they got that fire. All those youngins. <laughs> and, and, you know, we did four we did four public meetings about our water level changes this year. That We say the average age um, of our public land waterfowlers are between 22 and 25. That's pretty wild. That's it pretty is. young. That's kind of crazy. It yeah, it was younger than I thought. Skybusters. New generation of skybusters. <laughs> You're an old man, skybuster Clay. <laughs> uh, They're learning from the best. Yeah. Wait till right. they see the video. <laughs> Pow! But the but the the crowd that we had at these public meetings, 100 percent consistent with that. That's wow, cool. that's great. 
it's really encouraging. That's super cool. Yeah, I, I'm, I won't name any names, but uh, we were in Stuttgart. We had the public meeting at the R&T Tap Room, which y'all went to. Oh, really? Is that what yeah. I'm at? That's where we had it at. And there were uh, there were some fine, red-blooded American males that were ready to go out to buy me to that night and, st- and start digging up levees, getting that water out of there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I think uh, I was just, just talking about hunter recruitment. I think the biggest detriment to waterfowl hunter recruitment is leaky waders. <laughs> You know what? Saying. You need to buy your own waders. You and had your, your opportunity clay. at Max the other day, and then you thought about it. They're spendy about it, suckers. No. They're not waders so, and jerk cords. I have to. Uh, we've been talking about. Austin mentioned these public meetings that we had. Those were incredible. Uh, they really were very um, so informational. You, you, went, you were able to go to some of them. I did. Uh, I was out of town for one of them, but I did go to the other three, and uh, all very successful and people that really wanted to get out and figure out, okay, this is something that I'm passionate about. What can I do to help? How do I understand this? How do I take this back and tell my friends? In fact, that's how Austin ended each of those meetings was the best thing you can do tonight is go out with the information that you learned here tonight and go tell somebody about it. And I think, I really do, because of Austin and our staff at the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission. That is why, so far, this has been successful. And I think that's why it will be successful for the future mm-hmm. is because of the educational aspects that were put in place leading up to it. Right I, on. I hope it is successful because I want to come back. It, it will be. I, yeah. I, I do. I have faith. And while we're, while we're on this, this is something that hasn't been touched, but I, we've talked about this kind of off to the side. You know, we talk a lot about public land, but also... This timber die-off that we're seeing, we're actually dealing with that on our property as well. And we've Mm -hmm. had to take a step back and actually what I've learned in this process at Game and Fish is really what inspired us to go and look at our own woods and say, huh, we got some leaning trees in there. You know, we've, you know, we've got some floating acorns that we've seen during duck season from these white oaks and what what can we what can we do to make our woods better and so we've had to go in and do that we actually left uh, a big majority of our timber dry this year yeah and uh it's something that you you said something this week that i, I wouldn't have known the statistic but that 90 percent of arkansas's private land that's right 90 percent of arkansas is privately owned so uh, but all all that to be said yes we're we're doing this on our property but um, it benefits the more people that do realize this and that get involved in their in their own backyards and their own property, the more it benefits the whole state. Yeah, and so there's a lot there's a lot of private duck clubs, private landowners, farmers that are getting this message too and doing stuff just like you guys here on your farm. So yeah, that's, that's right. Good. It's good. You know what else eats red oak acorns? Squirrels. Sure do. They need <laughs> them. So we're not just saving ducks. Squirrels, Austin. Make important. squirrels great. <laughs> Make them great again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, closers. Any anything you guys want to say? Because this is this is the last. I'm always a little bit sad when we close down a series. You know, when we got done talking about Daniel Boone, we talked about Daniel Boone for like six weeks. Yeah, uh, we found one of his decoys. We did find a Daniel Boone decoy. It, it had oh, we DV did yeah. on the DV. on the decoy. I didn't know they had Sharpies back then, though. Yeah. But it did say DB. Or molded Flambeau plastic. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> wow. I, my, you never know. My closing comment would be, thank you for doing this, Clay. That I, I do. I, I want to say that publicly. Thank you for just taking an interest in this and not even being a waterfowl hunter, but wanting to learn more and wanting to learn more about what we do at the Arkansas Game and Fish. 
coming into this and spreading the good news. So uh, I want to say fun. that. It has it been. Really has. This it's has been it's something I needed one. needed to know. You know, and I know you're a big duck hunter now. You got your own duck call. Uh, you have oh, a pair yeah. of leaky waders, but hopefully you'll get some new ones someday. This has been wait, this wait. has been an incredible week. It's been a lot of fun. It has. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, yes, uh, Austin, your turn. Raise your hand. Uh, sorry, I'm Austin's brain's about to. Explode. I'm having a moment over here. He's challenging. You need some crocs. <laughs> first of all, for for my first closer, I've been the director since July. Amory's been here. He's at three years, right? Yeah. I'm, all right. I'm a junior now. And. This podcast is familiar with Luke. Luke's been working for this agency for 15 years. There's a whole other cadre of guys behind Luke and me, guys and gals that have been beating this drum and putting in the hard work for years and years and years to get to the public to this point, to get this agency to the point. I want to close it out by thinking, you know, Chris Racy, Brad Carner, Rob Willie, Buck Jackson, Garrick Duggar, Terrence Teal, Mark Hooks. Terrence Teal, is he a waterfowl guy? Um, <laughs> they sound like all Guess what his favorite duck yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. Yes. yeah. Gadwall. <laughs> so there's his just wife's a, maiden name is Gadwall. There's a there's a there's just a, a ton of people that have been beating this drum for a long yeah. time that have known that it's been the right thing to do and it's easy for us to swoop into a, a podcast like this and talk about it in depth for a few hours, but they've been making it their life's work for years. So just remarkably grateful for them. The other thing is, did you say that you have a duck call? (laughs) God, don't ask me. Hand tuned by Jim Ronquist himself. He didn't even have to tune it because it was already perfect. So because I've listened to every single Bear Grease podcast except for the Misty with a mustache render. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I remember that when people would come on your podcast in the early days, you used to make them give a mouth call or an mm-hmm. alhoot, right? I mean, it, it, it happened. <laughs> I think it's only fitting that you give us your best duck call. I will wow. go and get it right now and bring it over here. Do it. Do you know where it's at? Yep, I do. Mary okay, back. we'll 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 just pause for a minute. I saw it sitting there. I thought about taking it. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. <laughs> Stage is yours. I believe in you. Okay, so uh, we've gone and gotten. So we've gone and gotten the duck call that I got from. Uh, I got it from Max, but Jim Ronquist tuned this himself. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I've got I've got pictures of it. It has Jim spit in it. I mean, it actually it probably does. So the other day. I made a, a semi bet with Sean that I said I bet I can blow a duck call that is better than what you think I would. Like I didn't okay. say it was going to be good. I just said it's going to be whatever your expectations are. I'm going to exceed them. <laughs> that's, exactly, that's exactly right. And so in Biometa, in in Biometa, I I pulled this out and blew it for the first time ever. And it's not the first time I'd blown a duck call. I had blown them before, but probably like eight or nine years ago, and never had any instruction. Just kind of, you know, I don't even know why I had a duck call, but I had one. And mm-hmm. I I blew it a little bit. And I understand the sequence. I mean, okay, I understand. Well, let's get to it. There's a cadence. Yeah. Okay, here it is. I'm going to start off with a quack, okay? Can you do a duck? Can you do a gadwall? You did better than that, that, That's did really yeah. better than what I thought. The quack was good. Yeah. Now, no, Brad, here's, 
here was oh my boy, here we go three criteria. He had to have a good quack. He had to have good fundamentals of how to hold and place See, the that call. That doesn't mean a thing to me. And the then world he had to have they a good know greeting. how to do stuff, but sometimes hey, they don't. Sean, sometimes it takes a new guy to come in and teach the old guys how. <laughs> they don't know how to do it the clay way. He's still against my. I watched a video of you yesterday on Instagram, and you were moving your hand like you were trying you to doing? fly away, buddy. <laughs> but you're curving your hand around the end. No, with your other hand, you've been you're holding your hand like it's a goose call. You don't mm-hmm. do that. Single. Okay, Single but it, the quack's fine. I had a decent quack. The quack's awesome. fine. what do you think? You exceeded my expectations. Amory. I believed in you the whole time. You thought, so, so yeah. the whole time Dude, you were like, he's going to nail this. But, I mean, can you do a gadwall call? Man. How, how do you do it? Did. Did. Stuck in traffic. Did. No. Did. No. Just blow. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a kazoo at a birthday party. They got no heart. (laughs) Again. A gadwall doesn't have a soul. I mean, listen to the passion of that. What did a gadwall ever do to you? (laughs) Again. Again. No, that's. No, it's. I tried to put an ounce of heart on it, and they're like, nope, that's not a gadwall. (laughs) Let me ask you a question. Can we hear Grandfather Croc call? Eight. Grandfather Croc? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here. Yeah, yeah. Eight years ago. This is clean. Eight years ago. When we were sitting on a bear bait in Oklahoma, and this 150-pound bear walks out with a radio collar on, I said, "Shoot that one! It's banded." <laughs> and he said, "That bear, that's a baby." I'm like, "No, it's got a, it's banded. It's got a collar on it." I had to. He's like, "No, this ain't the way we do it." I was like, "This is a duck hunter coming into bear hunt." Yeah, this, this, this bear had a radio collar on its neck, and he was like, "Man, that's the one you want to shoot." You wear that collar around he your neck for the rest of your life. He didn't hit with a rock. Okay. Is that good? Keep it going. It's a little, little tight, blew a little hard. Give us a feed and chatter. Oh, that's good. That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. That's pure right there. Yeah. You, no, he's meet good. expectations. Solid. He met my expectations, which is outstanding. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you all for for being on the render, Austin. Thanks for having Marie. us. Thanks a ton. You guys are welcome back. If, if you're in Northwest Arkansas, we're doing a render. Just drop in. John, Max, awesome Thanks, to have man. you guys. You guys are welcome anytime as well. I guess I got to talk with the main render crew to make sure that y'all met the standard. You know, this there'll be a lot of talk. That's that'll, misty. To be like, well, they did okay. They kind of get like that. That's you know? misty. <laughs> yeah, because Josh will be out there just wishing he was catching Fish. trout with a spinning rod. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Spinning and sinning. Well, all right, guys. Thanks so much for coming. Thank hey, you, Clay. Good yeah, times yeah. are coming. Yep. It's been have, a fun week. Have the faith. Great. I'm going to put my cowboy boots back on. Yeah. I might get in a fight before this is over. Hey, <laughs> who's, the, who's, the guy that, who's the guy that does the the sound at Meat Eater? Phil. Phil. I didn't chew gum this time. No, oh, actually, it was Hayden Samick. Hayden. Sorry, man. No gum. <laughs> Hayden <laughs> Samick. Texted me the other day and he's like, Was Brent eating candy on the last room? <laughs> <laughs>
about going to the gym on a regimented schedule, and it's made a lot of difference in my life. Therapy helps you find your strengths so that you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Grease today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Grease. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.